You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Hey everyone, before we get into today's episode, I just want to let you know that our friends at Outdoor Edge have partnered with some great brands to help bring your fall full circle with their field to freezer to fire giveaway. Here's how you enter. Go to their Facebook page and sign up to win some awesome prizes and packages from brands including Yeti, Weston, Bradley Smokers, and more. These are some awesome products that will help you process your game, keep your game in the freezer, and eventually cook it for your table. You have until January 15th to sign up, so take advantage of that. Outdoor Edge in the Field to Freezer to Fire giveaway. Go to their Facebook page and make it happen. And if you decide to purchase any products from the website, enter the discount code NATION30. That's the word NATION with the number 30 after that, no spaces, Nation 30, and you will receive 30% off your purchase. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Iowa Sportsman Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and the ice is on the water. Today, we are bringing in somebody who is not new as a guest. Uh, we're talking with Steve Wiseman of Northwest Iowa, and uh, Steve loves to ice fish, and uh, you'll hear that in the tone of his voice as we talk about uh, these topics today. But uh, we have a really good show today. We're going to be talking about a whole bunch of different stuff. We're going to be talking about ice fishing strategy, some of the gear that he uses, some of the gear that he's upgraded to. We're going to be talking about some current events, some some uh, events that are going to be going on throughout Iowa for ice fishermen and ice uh, fisher women to attend or, or look into. We're going to be talking about some new walleye regulations for 2022, I believe it is, that they're going to implement uh, here pretty soon. And uh, just a really good ice fishing podcast. It's always great to get... Um, it's always great to get Steve on because the dude knows a lot. He's been around for a while, and he's very passionate about what he does, and uh, today's topic is ice fishing. So that's what we're going to talk about today, but before we get into today's episode, we're going to do a quick commercial from Quiet Cat. Electric bikes are the hottest things out right now. Quiet Cat is the leader in electric bikes for hunting, fishing, camping, and exploring the great outdoors. Get to your stand quietly and scent-free and bring all your hunting gear with you without breaking a sweat. Quiet Cat features accessories such as cargo trailers, racks, bags, backpacks, bow and gun holders, as well as lights for safe travel anytime. Visit us online for more information at 
quietcat.com. And just to let everybody know, quiet cat is spelled with a K. So Q-U-I-E-T-K-A-T.com. All right, there's our commercial. Let's get into today's ice fishing episode with Steve Wiseman. On the phone with me again, Mr. Steve Wiseman. Steve, how are we doing? Good, Dan. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. I was. Uh, I always look forward to talking with you because you're so optimistic about the outdoors. And I, I wanted to ask you this question. Okay, I, it's a two-part question. First, The first part is, you do you deer hunt? I do not. You do not. Okay, so that cancels that out. I know that you fish, <laughs> and I know that you du- I, that you my, duck my hunt. Son, my son, my grandson, uh, they all do. But I, I just, I, I never have deer hunted because I've got two. I'm chasing pheasants. I'm uh, late fall fishing early. Uh, at that time, maybe ice fishing. So. No, I've, I've never, it's a, it's a vice I can say that I, I have missed. Okay. Let me ask you this. Which one do you like more, fishing, duck hunting, or pheasant hunting? Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> that's a low blow. <laughs> um, I, you know, I think it depends on age. I really do. Okay. There was a time uh, that I loved duck hunting more than anything yeah uh, and and i would go to great pains of getting into the most remote places and stuff like that and as i've aged that has changed and my balance has changed walking in a slough being able to pull my feet out of muck uh being able to handle that cold weather uh, so that now is probably shoved to number three but my memories of uh, I, I love duck hunting, but yeah. it's number three. <clears throat> then there was pheasant hunting, and I love pheasant hunting. I love the walking. I love the dogs and and uh, all of that stuff. But again, at seventy two, I can't walk the hills and the valleys like I used to, and the slough grass trips me. And and so now that's kind of moved back. And fishing has always been fishing, and. I guess another answer would be it depended on the season. Yeah. I love that when I could do all three as much as I wanted, I would do all three. And I loved each one. It was like, do I love baseball, basketball, or football most? Yeah. Depends on the season. Yeah. You know, there's there's my hand. Yeah. Well, that's a good answer because if someone had to, you know, it's almost like, which one of your kids is your favorite? You gotta, you can't say, well, so-and-so is my favorite. You know, it depends, you know, like I like this kid for this. I like that kid for that, you know, and you can't, you can't just, you know, say who's your favorite kid. I get it. I get it. Um, but it's cold outside and that means it's time to start talking about ice fishing. And, uh, we were on the phone a little bit yesterday and you said you've already got your butt kicked by some bluegills. Oh, I did. Yes. And first off, I'll preface by saying this is as slow a ice on as I can remember. I did not ice fish before Christmas. Up here in northwest Iowa, lots of time, there have been times when I've been fishing by Thanksgiving. Yeah. So we're talking a month. And even now, 
when I was out yesterday, when the bluegills handed me my lunch, um, there was only 10 inches of ice. Yeah. And for this time of year, that's pretty unheard of. Yeah. Well, 10 inches still get you on the lake though, right? Oh yes. Yeah. Yes, it will. And you know, there are four wheelers and stuff that are moving around now. No vehicles. Um, there was a side-by-side that went in on Silver Lake over by Lake Park. Um, so people still have to remember that old adage, not all ice is created equal. Yeah. So and, uh, what do you wait for when it comes to ice? Uh, are, are you the kind of guy who's like, you know what? I'll make four inches work. Do you look for something a little thicker? Four inches of clear new ice is good. I'll, I'll take that. That's no problem. But when you drill the hole and you look down that ice hole, that four inches looks about two. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's a little scary. But uh, And early on, it was such glare ice, you had to wear uh, some kind of uh, foot protection, some kind of creepers or something, or spikes, because otherwise there were people that went down and, and got hurt because of that. Yeah. Now we don't have, there's a little bit of snow on the ice, which is good because that is covering the, the water clarity on West is pretty good. You can see down 10 feet probably. Um, so that's pretty clear. And if, if the ice is totally clear, those fish are spooky. Any shadows they'll flare from. Yeah. But, but now with the snow on the ice, that's not an issue. Yeah. So you got your butt kicked. Uh, what was that, yesterday you said or the day before? Yesterday. Well, it, it, it's been a kind of a learning experience for me this year. I've had days when I've caught 30 or 40, and I've had days like yesterday where I, I could have kept five. I threw them back, but and it was clear water. I could see the fish. Yeah. I could see them down there. And those bluegills came up to me, and they actually would swim and bump the little jig. I was using tiny tungsten jig, and they would actually bump the jig as they went through with with their nose. I had them take the head of the jig. I had them take the very back end of the hook and swim backwards with it and then let it go. Now, in all of those scenarios, you can't catch them. Yeah. I've tried. I've set the hook on them so many times that I know what the end result's going to be. And so it just, it, it, it's got to be right. And that's what I like about sight fishing because even though they schooled me, I, I saw their habits. I saw how they acted. Uh, I kept working and trying to figure out. And I finally started to figure out, now my son uses just plastic. That's all he uses to tip with. Never uses bait. I like to use all waxworm or wigglers. And I started out using three wigglers yesterday. And they didn't like that. And my, the, the three wigglers were kind of causing my jig to spin a little bit. And I finally went to a single wiggler and then the hook stayed straight. And uh, they wanted just a single wiggler versus multi. Yeah. 
So when you go into this lure rotation or this bait rotation, how long do you give it until you say, okay, I got to switch to something else? I guess it depends on how many bluegills have come through or perch or whatever, but I'll give it maybe 15 minutes or so and do some kind of subtle change. Um, sometimes it works to you're jiggling that little uh, bait and a fish comes in and if you stop, they stop. Okay. And they'll swim away. Sometimes if you keep jiggling, they'll come right to the end of it and you keep jiggling and they swim away. Sometimes if you stop it, when they're right near, they'll take it. Yeah. Sometimes if you pull it away from them just a little bit, then they'll follow you up and they'll take it. I've had them come in two or three at a time and they rush the jig so hard, they actually have a, a crash. And they spook themselves out of there and there were three fish that would have bitten, but they couldn't because they ran each other off. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, and and I'll I have different sizes right now in that shallow water. I'm using it looks like an ice uh, spooler. It's called a, a gravity elite spool from Clam, and it, it feeds out like a fly reel would. So it feels out peels out the line forward rather than a spinning reel that spins around. Because that happens lots of times will coil. And if you're using light jigs, uh, it's tough to get the line to straighten out. And with the coils in the line, that line will spin on you. And using the spooler, I don't have to worry about that. That's very interesting. So and, uh, when... When you're when you're out there working, you know you mentioned that you had a, a a day where you caught forty, and then you had a day where nothing was going right for you. Yeah. Um, what yeah. were the what were the differences in conditions? Whether it was the the thickness of the ice, the snow on top, the the water temperature, the weather. Like, what do you think the differences were that they were biting on one day and not biting on the next? The day that was so good, it was early ice. There was about five inches probably, and the fish hadn't seen many lures yet. Oh. And I think you think of it this way. Let's say you fish a bay, and there's 80 people out there every day, and they're catching fish for 10 days. Every fish they take out of there has been an aggressive fish. What do you have left? Right. You have those that are not as aggressive. You have those who are more observant. You have those that are more neutral. And, I mean, it just, it just changes things. Um, and sometimes sun can be great. Sometimes you want clouds. I mean, every day is a little different. And it's, it's like putting together a little mini game plan every time you go out. Yeah. Which is the fun part of it, I think. Right. You know, you, you've been fishing for several years, ice fishing for several, several years now. And do things come automatic now for you where you can walk on the ice and say, okay, it's cloudy. 
I got five inches of ice with snow on it. Um, it's early ice. Uh, I, I'm going to be throwing this or working this area of the lake, you know, where it, it's, it's three months later, it's February. They've seen, they've seen all the lures. They've seen the, the action over there, you know, where they're, where they live. And, yep. uh, it, the ice is thicker. There's more snow, all that stuff. Yep. You know, I, I think there's a midwinter doldrum. I really do. <clears throat> where those, when, when you turn the corner and you're heading into March, um, those fish are getting much more active and they're much more aggressive. And that late bite is kind of comparable to that early bite. It's the mid-season bite that's a really tough one. Yeah. And I think, yeah, over the years, you have areas, you have locations that you know this time of year, this is where they'll be. Now, this year is different in that our lake is, our whole system here is two foot lower than it was a year ago. So take the grade, for instance, on the north side of a big spirit. Last winter, I caught beautiful crappies some perch and a lot of bluegills it was two foot deeper now it's most of us probably three foot or shallower uh, some of the back bays the same thing um so that changes where they would have been right and and now the question is will they be in that shallow big flat area or won't they even come in there you know and um but but usually, if things are, you know where fish pretty much are, are going to be. Yeah. You know, and especially for the bluegills, you're looking if you can find good vegetation. It may not be standing, it may be down, but that vegetation is, is where they like to be. Uh, straight open sand flats, probably not so much unless there's weeds right nearby. And uh, your sand flats are going to find more perch and things like that. Um, but anyway, so the sight fishing is an awesome thing to do. The other option is to use a camera. Like say you have stained water and you can only see three foot down. Yeah. And you're in six feet of water. Uh, you can use a, a cam, underwater camera. Like I have a scout underwater camera that I'll down view and get that camera set right. And then I can, I can watch on my little screen and I can watch the bait jiggling and I can see the fish moving. Okay. The other way to handle that is to drill a hole off to the side about five feet and then uh, drop the camera down and put it. So it's facing the direction of the, the jig. And that's different than down viewing. Okay, but that's that's a great way to see what's going on there because with a a uh, flasher like my Vexlar flasher, it's great. It'll mark fish. It'll do all this kind of stuff, and I can I can tell when the fish are kind of neutral or they're just following me around. But I can't see are they little schools of perch? Are they little schools of bluegills? What are they? Are they yellow bass? What are they? What are they doing? Are they just milling around or are they looking and swimming away? So that's where the flasher is great, but you don't get the, to see 
like you would with a camera or in just straight sight fishing. Okay. Before we start talking about some of this other gear real quick, I, I want to ask you a question about the day that um, you, you got all those fish to bite. Typically, uh-huh. when when the bluegill are biting, does that mean that the crappie are biting and that the perch are biting and that the walleye are biting? Or is it is no. it real selective? No. I, it's selective. And I think it's time of the day, too. Um, your walleye is more of a low light. Um, your perch, now your, your bluegills are going to move around in, in, in an area. Um, but a school of perch, they might meander through 30 acres of an area or 300 yards of an area. And they might come back to the same area. They might not. They're just wandering and they're, they're looking for food or they're just wandering. And, uh, a lot of things affect where they wander, how, you know, here on Big Spirit, lots of times they're feeding on larvae that's hatching off the bottom of the lake, and their nose will actually almost be raw um, because they're picking that stuff up out of the mud. Um, and crappie is going to be low light usually, um, and your walleye, low light, uh, bluegill through the day, but even then there will be an hour or two maybe where you wonder if the bluegill even are in the lake, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, when you're thinking you're looking down an ice hole and you can probably see about three or four feet around you and you have a thousand acre lake, <laughs> that's a pretty small yeah. pit needle, you know? Yep. Yep. That's a needle in a haystack, you know? So um, with the water then on the lake that you're talking about being two foot lower than it was last year, does this congregate the fish more and is it harder to find a good spot because, you know, with the water lower, the, you know, you got the fish have to go to different places potentially. And then the, the ice fishermen are on top of each other more. Well, not necessarily when you're talking about, big bay areas i mean like where where i'm fishing uh say on miller's bay i mean goodness gracious you can walk a quarter of a mile one way and half a mile another way and i mean you've got that big of a bay so it's it's taken away the shallows along the edges but still your main weed beds and things like that they're still there sure it'll congregate fishermen but you've got a huge it always congregated fishermen because the bluegills like certain areas certain spots you know and one or two shacks can get away with it but when you have a third shack within 10 or 15 yards you're going to have a crowd that's just the way it is yeah you know yeah okay but i have i have found that most of the time I will fish by myself and the people I'm with, they'll be in another shack. Oh, I don't know, maybe 10 yards away or whatever we want it to be. Because when you have two people in the same shack, somebody's going to be a better catcher than somebody else. Yeah. That that gets really frustrating when you're side (laughs) by side and you got holes three feet apart and one of the guys popping them out, popping them out. And the other guy's sitting there that's really frustrating. I mean, you're there to catch fish. You're not there to watch somebody catch fish while you sit. Right. 
And that to me, that's really something that, that you, you really, if, if somebody is a novice and, and they're, they're learning and they got the idea, sometimes it's better to put them in a shack just five yards away so they have their own fish to catch. Yeah. If you and I are in the same shack, Dan, you'll probably outfish me or I'll outfish you or whatever. Not often are the two anglers the, the same ability. Yeah. That's one thing that's really frustrating during the summertime when I'm in the boat with my father-in-law. Um, I'll, I'll throw them into a, a snag, you know, my lures into a snag, work them almost identical to the way he works the, the, the jig or the lure, and I won't catch anything. And he'll throw in the same snag and he'll pull them out. And I'll just shit, uh, I'll just sit there and uh, shake my head and uh, have a, you know, curse myself and be like, man, what I, I did, I'm, I'm doing nothing different. Yep. So, well, sometimes it's actually our own mindset. Yeah. Sometimes when we go with certain people, we're, we're already behind the eight ball. Because they're that good. There are some people, that, they are fish whisperers. They really are. They have that ability to catch fish when other people don't. And you can't eyeball it and say, well, they did this because I'm pulling it back the same way. I'm doing the same speed. I'm dropping it. But yet that other person has that ability. You know, so that's why it's nice in a boat even if there are fish in an area you can fish different areas yeah in that same boat you know yeah yeah so uh you talked a little bit about uh some new gear that you got that you're pretty excited about yeah the the one thing i, I mentioned the spooler uh reel yep I, I really like that and you can get that as a left or a right hand and uh that's clam um uh, I think Fishing 13, I think, makes a good one. Um, but I, for years, I would go with a hand auger and then go to my, my uh, Strike Master um, gas auger. Okay. And that thing weighed about 22 pounds. And I got tired of that. And, and my grandson works at a bait shop, and, and he helped rig me up last year. I got a Milwaukee drill, 18 volts. I got two batteries, and then I took a, it's called a clam plate. It's an adapter that you, you put that uh, drill facing down, and that then hooks onto the bit of the auger. Okay. Okay, and that clam it, uh, plate makes it just like an auger. It's not just like a handle. Yeah. You grab it on both sides and you've got a pistol uh, trigger and everything. And it works so slick. Um, I'm going like that 10, 12 inches. Last year at the end, I had 30 inches of ice and it cut through there. It's an eight inch auger. I was so impressed by it. And one of the recommendations was that be a, a, a Milwaukee uh, a drill. And I, I, I believe them. I, I really do. And okay. I keep saying old Milwaukee, and then people ask me, well, where's the beer? But it's, it's a, <laughs> Milwaukee, 18 <volts. laughs> But uh, I really like that. It, it's maybe eight pounds, 
Okay. And it's so slick. And it and, still has uh, the same amount of torque enough to get well, down deep. It's got strong torque. It okay. really does. It, uh, it takes me maybe 20 seconds to cut through 10 inches. Maybe. Yeah. 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 And I don't, and I don't have to start it up and it's lighter and it's easier for you. Oh yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. And when I'm walking and I'm walking a lot of places now that eight, eight pounds on there versus 22 is a lot of difference pulling a shack. Yeah. And you're, you're pulling that all right on a, a sled, right? It's all built right into your shack. Right. Yep. Yep. I, I have a clam, um, uh, fish crap pro. It's a, it's a larger one man. It's 20 years old. My gosh, it's been through the wars, but it, it has lasted and lasted and lasted. And why change if it's still working? And, uh, then if I have another person go with me that wants to fish with me, then I'll take my two man Yukon. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Uh, any other gear that you used this year that was, uh, or that you've used so far this year or, or upgraded to? Well, my son and, and daughter got me a Mr. Buddy heater this year. Yep. And, and it's, it, it uses a portable little tank. I had one that I used a big 10 pound tank which lasted a long time, but it had a head, Mr. Heater head, and it was too, too large. Even the, the lower setting, I'd have to shut it off every so many minutes because it, it heated me out. And it made noise. There was always some air in it. I could never get all the air out. And it would hum. It, when I turned that on and lit it, it would hum. And everybody in the whole bay would know that Wiseman was there. <laughs> he had, he had his, his humming Mr. Heater. And so I, I think my son was embarrassed enough that he said, Steph, we're getting dad this buddy heater. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, and that keeps you that keeps you warm enough throughout the uh, throughout the set, huh? It does. It, it does. And I've been using it on low. Um, of course it has it's only been in the twenties, so it's not that bad. And, and I can go, I think I can get about five hours out of it before the little tank runs dry. And I think they run about four and a half bucks a piece. So that's more expensive doing it that way, but at least not, I'm not embarrassing my family. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, making sure your fam, you know, you, you have the image, right? The right image is very important these days. <laughs> Right, Steve? Yeah. The older I get, the less image I've got. Too, I <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay. Um, any other uh, gear and equipment? Well, I, I, you know, they're making these wonderful tungsten jigs now, and there are all kinds of them. Um, you, you can get them anywhere, and they, they have just changed the whole ball game um, because they, they, they fish small yet they're, they, they, they drop fast and they get down to where you want to fish. And I, I just really, really like those. And, and like I say, you can go to a lot of different um, bait shops and, and there'll be eight or 10 different ty- kinds of tungsten jigs. Right. Right. My favorite is is a I have a clam 
It's called a dingle drop. It's got a little chain on the back of it, and it's a 64th ounce. And it's also ultraviolet, and it's a kind of a hot pink. And uh, you can see that. I like it because I can see better. But I know the fish can, too. And uh, they, they just seem to like that one. And maybe it's because um, that's what I believe in. I don't know. Right. But, is, there a, is there a color that over your – how many years have you been ice fishing? <laughs> you really want to know? So 40? Um, Oh, more than that. More than that. Okay. So yeah. So over your 40, 50 years of ice fishing, is there a color or a presentation that if you could only bring one thing into the shack with you, you'd pick that thing? Well, with, with the bluegill, it would be a tungsten jig here anyway. Um, now, every lake seems to be a little bit different. Um but but I would I would use that little clam uh, tungsten jig. Um, now if I'm going for walleyes, um, the, the jig and wrap uh, clam has come out with a pinhead minnow that is really good. They've come out with a couple new ones this year that people are really raving about. Um, you know we we've got a, a gal here in, in on the Iowa Great Lakes, Bev Shuck. She and Charlie, her husband, before he died, they owned Chuck's Bait Shop. And she makes um, a jigger minnow. Okay. And it looks like a, a cast master, looks like a Swedish pimple type thing. But it, it, she calls it a jigger minnow. And that thing, I tell you what, in the summer, um, that thing is lights out for uh, perch and bluegills and it's good on walleyes and she sells it all across she makes it out of her home yeah she sells it all over all over the midwest there, there's one of those universal things and who would have ever thought yeah isn't it crazy you know, i know there's a couple lure manufacturers they they eventually get bought out by a bigger company but i i think bomber lures maybe uh maybe bomber lures I, Maybe not. I, I can't think. But anyway, a lot of the really good, um, you know, lures or plastics, they're they're made in someone's garage for the first handful of years until they become really popular, yep. and then eventually they sell. But it always starts off right. that way, I feel. Yep. You know, uh, a friend of mine, Dan Spangler, is a, a lure designer, plug designer for uh, Pure Fishing Okay. for birthday. And he has made some of the most awesome bass and walleye plugs, he and his team, and they're just crazy, just unbelievable how well they do. And yeah. especially for guys who uh, troll them or who uh, cast at night um, in waders, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> but again, that's that's a whole nother ball game. Yeah. You know. Yes, sir. All right. Um, let's move on to some regulation changes that uh, have been implemented or, or will be implemented be before next season. Uh, you said something about the slot limit for walleyes is going to be changing? Yes. On on Big Spirit, West, East Okaboji, Storm Lake, currently there is a slot limit size of 17 to 22 inches. And th this goes 
prior to 2007. 2007 is when they came up with that slot size because what was happening was we had a 14-inch minimum limit size, and the fish would get stuck right at 13 and three-fourths, 13 and five-sixths. Yeah. You, you had trouble getting that 14. Well, with the slot of 17 to 22, they were able to harvest those fish and allow the other fish to move into that slot. And that has worked really well. Um, fishing in on the slot lakes, has, it's been really, really, really good. But what they have found is that a lot of the males, males and females grow about the same until they hit about 15, 16, 17 inches. And then the males slow down. And they end up in that slot and lots of times never get out. And so we're, we're harboring way more slot males than we need. Okay. Well, how do you take that? So their, their thought is to move this to a 19 to 25. And they, 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 they've looked at the data. They've got data, Mike Hawkins and Jonathan Mirabeek, the two uh, biologists uh, over here, they have looked at data from the 70s. And whenever they look uh, for a new regulation, they go answer three questions. First, is the regulation biologically needed? Is it socially acceptable? In other words, will anglers accept it? And third, is it enforceable? You know, people have said, well, why not let us keep one fish in the slot? Oh yeah. Keep it 17 to 22 and let us keep a uh, 20 inch or, or one in there. But again, that becomes kind of a nightmare for the conservation officers. Yeah. Um, and, and so they, they, they believe, and they've talked to the, to the higher ups in Des Moines that this regulation will work. Uh, that is probably needed for now. And so what they're doing they're rolling it out now, and let, this this podcast is the first talk of this in public. So you're number one with this, Dan. Uh, <laughs> That's and great. The, I, I, the idea is this would be enacted in 2022. Okay. And this year will be for angler um, comments. Gotcha. And, and, you know, so many people that I've talked to, and I've even felt, hey, we've got these fish in the slot we're, we're we're missing those 17 18 to up to 19 inch fish those are great fish a lot of them are males it'd be nice to be able to harvest them you know yeah so the number three will stay the same and uh but so that there will be word will come out to uh folks that you can mail your comments here, or there will be a public meeting on this day to talk about this, you yeah. know, that type of thing. Yeah. So I, th I think it's exciting. I, I think it, it needs to be done. Okay. So um, just, just for clarification, for some people who are confused about how slots, you know, slot limits work, um, 14 inches to uh, 14 inches to 19 inches will be, uh, an acceptable catch, right? Yeah. And then, yeah anything night under 19. 
Anything? anything. Okay. Then from so the, 19... There is no 14 inch or anything like that. Gotcha. But then 19 to 25 will be protected. Okay. So you can catch them, you can measure them, and throw them back. Okay. And then anything over 25 inches, is that is that considered a trophy where you got to throw it back, or do you have a limit? I'm, think, I, I, I'm thinking... And this is just my thought at this point, because now it's one over 22. So I'm figuring that that's what they'll allow one over 25, one over 25. Okay. Gotcha. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. That's cool. Um, and that, what I really like about that is how science wins in, and, and is going to yeah. help in that matter with, Oh man, we're just catching nothing but males. And the less males we have, the less breeding we have, you know, you got to have that perfect ratio. And, uh, yeah. so it's cool to see them change that regulate, you know, change that regulation to allow, um, more, more fish to, I guess, more fish to get caught and kind of even things out. Yeah. Yeah. And still at the same time, the bottom line is protect the brood stock because almost all our lakes are stocked. Yeah. There aren't many that have any natural reproduction. Yeah. At least enough that can handle fishing pressure. Right. So we're, we're foot and take. Yeah. Yeah. You know? um, and, and so that's, that's the huge key behind it. And that's the science behind it. And it's, t- it, it's been 13 years. So this has worked. Now they start this in in two years. I doubt if they'll say, "Oh my gosh, we need to change this." Yeah, they'll see what the science tells them. Right, right. Well, that's good to know. Okay. Um, any other major rules or regulation changes that you can think of at this time? Nope, not at this time. Okay. Nope. Now, you uh, you brought something to my attention that I think would sound really fun to do and that would be to sleep on the ice on an iowa lake and uh i I guess you could basically fish 24 hours a day if you wanted to but uh you know a guy out of what is it clear lake who is is putting Mm -hmm. something together yeah yeah and uh you know for years i've i've gone to uh lake of the woods i've gone to the northwest angle uh, you know, people go to Devil's Lake, people go to northern Minnesota, Malax, uh, wherever, and they get in these big permanent shacks. And um, sometimes they'll stay overnight in what's called a sleeper shack. Well, over at Clear Lake, a friend of mine, uh, Kevin Paul, he's been gu- guiding for a lot of years and he owns the Clear Lake Bait Shop. He came up with an idea a couple of years ago of investing in sleeper shacks he's got four of them right now that run anywhere from 24 feet long to 28 feet long and they're eight foot wide they've got four beds they've got a stove they've got an oven they'll have anywhere from eight to nine holes in them they'll have a television (laughs) DVD player. they'll have plenty of outlets They'll have a generator to run everything, and uh, they set you up. Yeah. For you can do it for a weekend. You can do it for uh, a, a three three days in the middle of the week. It's a little cheaper that way. 
But I talked to Kevin here because I wanted to just see how things were going. He says, Steve, we've got maybe seven or eight days open. Yeah. For January and February. He said, people love it. Yeah. And they'll they'll do anything you would like if if uh, it'll cost a little money, but they'll run bait to you. Um. If, if things aren't going good and, and they'll move the shack, um, they, they accommodate the fishermen. And it's it's really cool if you've never fished a, a shack like that. And it's it's just awesome. And so I thought, really cool that we can go into north central Iowa. And Clear Lake is a very good fishing lake. And you can enjoy fishing and 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 these are ice castles so they're nice big beautiful beautiful uh sleeper shacks very comfortable it's not like uh, a plywood box right no right it is not it is not so that's pretty cool and then kevin told me something i didn't even tell you this that last night he he said that they're going to have ice team university uh which is uh put by ice team and they'll People can register to be part of this, and they'll spend three or four days on a lake with guides, with pros. They'll have seminars at night. Um, they'll have pros guiding them during the day, and uh, it's going to be on Clear Lake oh, nice. this year. Nice. February 18th through the 20th. Yeah, so that's really exciting. Right. Um, and they're, they're about full, and Kevin asked if I wanted to, to help with it because I've, I've worked some things like that before, but I, I'm at a point in, in my, my life where I got to get through this COVID thing and I got to get a vaccine. I, uh, yeah, I, I've been really, I, I've had too many people that I know my age who have died. Okay. And I, I, I don't want to go before my time. That's a fact. Nobody does. <laughs> That's a fact. Well, um, that sounds like a really awesome experience uh, out there at, at Clear Lake. Um, you know, if it's a new experience, basically, for someone to try. Yeah. And it might. It yeah. sounds like if you want to bring a, a kid along, this might be a really good opportunity because it gives them a little bit more room to run around on. Right. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, if, if you wanted to be guided, I mean, this is self-fishing, but if you wanted to be guided and have them and pay a fee to have them guide you and put you in certain spots, they'll do that. Whatever you want to do, Kevin and, and his partner will, will work that out and, and it'll be a great experience. I've heard a lot of good things about it. And Kevin is as excited about that as, as a kid on Christmas morning. Right. <laughs> he just is. Uh, the last thing I think we're going to talk about today is this ice fishing circuit that's coming to Iowa this year. Yes. Um, for the third year in a row, the North American Ice Fishing Circuit, um, which has a bunch of qualifiers around the Midwest, and then the top placers out of those qualifiers go to a national tournament. Uh, it's going to be on Emerson Bay, and that's on Sunday January 17th, so it's not too far away, and Stan's Bait and Tackle is going to be the host bait shop. Um, their opportunity, you can go on their website, the North American Ice Fishing Circuit, 
and you can register. Costs $250 for a two-person team, and it's gonna, they're going to fish the Emerson Bay, Little Emerson Bay area. You can't go outside of those areas. Okay. And uh, the, the two, the teammates can combine a total of 16 bluegills to be weighed in. Okay. All right. Now, in the, in the past when they've done this, on Friday night, they have a get-together and they have a seminar and they have a panel and all that kind of stuff. And, well, with COVID, you can't do that. Right. Right. But they're going to go with Stan's Bait and Tackle's Facebook page and the North American Ice Fishing Facebook page, and they're going to do a live uh, video. Oh, that's nice. Of a seminar, yes. And uh, I've done that with a couple of, of other things this year, and that works well. Yeah. It really does. And so on Friday they do that, and then on Saturday they have the high school event. And this is for kids ages 12 through senior in high school. They fish the same bay, the same rules, and the the top two out of that will have a chance to go to the um, high school national event next December. And there is no entry fee, but but you have to join and be a member, and then you get the kids get VIP pricing for the student anglers and so forth. Same thing, partner type thing, and uh, it's it's cool to see kids enjoying this type of activity. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it sounds like there's a lot going on, you know, just because it's, yeah. just because it's winter doesn't mean we have to sit in our house and, and just uh, gain a whole bunch of weight. <laughs> um, no, exactly. I do that without sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, uh, a lot going on, uh, especially in, in, uh, some of the bigger lakes in Iowa and, and heck all over the state. I mean, there's, there's gotta be ice on most oh, yeah. most places in Iowa now. I mean, we've had the the colder temperatures for uh, a long enough time. Yep. So, yep. Uh, just you know, and I know you're going to probably say the same thing. Just be careful. You know, this ice is right. is no joke, and just be prepared yep. for yep. everything. Yep. Now, if people do want to see the results of that Okaboji qualifier, they can go on that North American Ice Fishing Facebook page. And they can watch the weigh-in. Oh, okay. The weigh-in will be probably about 1.30 on Sunday the 17th. And they'd probably want to get on the Facebook page and get it loaded and everything by 1.15 or so. And then they can watch from the comforter wherever, and they can watch the weigh-in of the, of the fish. Because they're going to do it at the boat ramp. In the past couple of years, they've put them in buckets and water and then taken them to... Uh, uh, one of the establishments and, and had an indoor weigh-in, but because of the COVID, everything's outdoors. Yeah, and uh, in, in the fresh air. Yeah. All right. Well, Mr. Wiseman, it's always a pleasure having you on here uh, to chit chat and catch up. Uh, good luck. Hopefully, the walleyes don't keep kicking your butt and you get back into them. Uh, th- <laughs> thank you very much for your time. You bet. It was fun, and, and happy New Year to everybody. And stay safe and and we're going to have a better year in 2021.